A quick disclaimer before we start this episode. This is one of our strange food episodes. So we're going to be talking about some foods that some listeners might find a bit gross. So vegetarians and vegans certainly won't be excited to uh, hear about this one and expect some graphic language relating to animal parts. You have been warned. Welcome to The Dish, the culinary travel podcast focusing on the stories behind world-famous foods. We are your hosts, Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us for tasty histories, destination food guides, and more. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Dish. Yes, I hope you guys are ready for this uh you know, maybe have some tasty food nearby to soothe you after we <laughs> or during this particular podcast episode because we're talking about a strange food that uh, it does get people pretty squeamish. Yeah, this dish is called balut, which I think like these days a lot of people have heard of this now. Like it used to be some strange food thing from Asia that no one really knew about in the West, but now it's sort of it's been popularized. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few like strange food shows, and it seems yeah. to be the first thing they go for. So it's like the Andrew Zimmerman, and I think I don't know if I don't know if Bourdain had it, but I remember like Hamish and Andy, the Australian comedians. They definitely yeah. went Nate Balut. I remember that and their travel show. And yeah, it's become more of a known thing for sure. But I still think, and for people who don't know what Balut is, it is a. Uh Instead of a boiled egg, it is a boiled egg that has fertilized, has been fertilized, and so there is an embryo inside it. And it's usually a duck egg, right? It's usually a duck egg, but it can actually also be a chicken egg. Oh, okay. So, obviously, when you break into the egg and start eating the bits, there is a little sort of developing duck There's or a bird. chicken inside with a little bit of beak and yep. feathers and stuff. So, it's sort of strange. It is a bit strange. Although, I have to say... That little barbecue birds in China, you're eating the whole bird there as well. But just because it's barbecued, it's delicious. But you see, that's a bird that was born. That's true, yeah. It's, it's, it's lived very briefly, but it. Whereas this is a developing embryo. Yeah. So it's a little bit on the icky side to think about Instantly eating it. Instantly gives you the heebie jeebies. Yeah. Which is obviously why so many YouTubers and food video people have been filming this it's, thing. It's clickbait. Yeah, it is clickbait. It is attention-grabbing stuff, right? So, yeah, let's talk about Balut. Uh, Balut, spelt B-A-L-U-T, but occasionally spelt B-A-L-O-T, which is strange. Ballot. Go to vote. Ballot. Go and vote. Do you want to eat this? No! So, yeah, it's a, a developing bird embryo inside its egg. Uh, usually duck, but sometimes chicken. Uh, it's boiled inside the shell, and then you break open the shell and you eat it out of it. It's most popular in the Philippines. Yeah, they eat it like they, they'll go down the corner and like you'd pick up a pack of chips for a snack. And they eat it like they pick up some chips. Yeah, it's a popular street snack. Yeah. yeah, It's a street food thing that a lot of people eat. And yeah, even though it seems a little gross to us, it is very popular. So it's an essential street food. It's an essential cultural food from the Philippines. Definitely a dish worth talking about because it's so important to their culture. So we might find it strange, but I'm sure they find some of the food we eat strange. So oh, what totally. Are you do? Yeah, I'm sure they're like, oh, these weirdos eating. Well, I mean, everyone thinks I'm Vegemite. a weirdo. Food. Vegemite. I love Vegemite. <laughs> so yes, the in Filipino language, the... Uh, Tugalog. I think it's pronounced Tugalog. Tagalog? But it's, it's actually pronounced Tugalog, I think. Tugalog. Oh, Tugalog. We've been pronouncing it wrong forever. I, oh, I looked it I'm up. I'm so sorry to all of our Filipino friends. Phonetically, apparently, it's 
Tagalog. Okay. And hopefully I've got that right. The word balut means wrapped. So I'm assuming the etymology <laughs> refers to the fact that it's wrapped within its shell. Yeah. Mmm. Delicious. <laughs> Deliciousness. So the length of incubation before the egg is cooked and served, uh, it's a matter of personal preference, really. It uh, generally ranges between 14 and 21 days, but most agree that 18 days is the best. And that's what we tried. Uh, it's called balut saputi when it's 18 days. So you've got different names because of different developments of the embryo. Uh, apparently, the ladies prefer the 16-day ones because they're a little bit less crunchy. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like the, the further along it goes, the crunchier it gets. And that's when it gets into your head and grosses you out. I mean, unless you're a Filipino lady and then you're like, mm, I just prefer it this way, perhaps. I don't know. But apparently they did a little survey of like which ones people preferred. And well, there was this massive study about balutes that I, I read through that before I put this together. So I was one of the sources I used. They were talking about the fact that they surveyed people and women prefer the 16 days and men yeah. prefer the 18 days. Well, I'd have to say, yeah, we had the 18 day one and I wouldn't want it more crunchy than that. That was enough of a... Yeah, if, at that it, point, enough for me. you're crunching some beak and there's some little bones yeah. that are, you're very aware that you're eating feather. them. It's going to be more feathers. Ugh. Yeah. But yes, balut is consumed in quite large amounts in Southeast Asia, specifically the Philippines, as we said, uh, but it's also popular in Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, and China. And it's been considered, at least in the past, and probably still today, it's been considered the national street food of the Philippines. In fact, one writer, all the way back in the 1950s, said that balut is as popular in Manila as hot dogs are in New York. Yeah, that's what I said. It's like picking up a, a yeah. bag of chips. But, I mean, actually, today it has declined. And we were there a few years ago now, but uh, in the last 20 to 30 years, it has declined because more Western foods have come in and fast foods. People can have stuff that tastes pretty decent, but still really cheap. And yeah, yeah, uh, the culture is moving towards more international foods. But of course, still loving Filipino food, obviously. Yeah, I mean, we were there in 2013, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And it was very prevalent then. It was, you know, there was... Tons of people selling it on the street, but... Apparently, if you went there in the 70s, it was way more prevalent. More. Like, yeah, way more than it was when we went. And they've taken this food all over the world as well. So if you find Filipino communities in the US, they are getting duck eggs and they are making balut. It's, uh, it's not like they got out of the Philippines and went, right, don't have to eat that anymore. <laughs> like, no, we really like this, so we're going we're gonna to keep making it. So, yeah, the actual taste of the egg specifically depends on the breed of duck that bears the egg. Oh. So it's actually, uh, they really want to raise different ducks for duck meat than they do for duck eggs. And, and oh, they do. Oh, so very interesting. It's actually... Also, how do they know that it's been fertilized? Like, I mean, you can oh, sit there and I'm we're going to get, get to that. that. Okay, yes, we're uh, going to get into the hanky-panky of ducks. We're going to get onto that relatively soon, actually. That's, uh, that's coming up All pretty right. quick. Hanky-panky, hanky-quacky. Quanky panky. Quanky panky. No. <laughs> uh, all right, yes. Yeah, so uh, the egg ducks that are actually the most popular ones are they come from the mallard breed of duck, uh, locally known as pateros or pateros itik. And itik is like the Tagalog word for duck, and pateros is specifically the word for mallard. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. And yep, these are the ones that they use for the duck uh, for the egg production because so it's better, better for eggs than for meat. 
I mean, I'm sure if you ate the meat, it would be fine. Because duck is fantastic. Because duck is great, but it's just apparently they've tried lots of different breeds over the years, and this is the one that's delicious, the best balut. All right. So, duck eggs that are not actually properly developed after nine or 12 days, so they haven't they haven't actually been fertilized properly. These aren't called balut, but they're still sold. And they're, <laughs> they're, just called anyway. a, they're just called boiled eggs. <laughs> no, but the problem is, like, a regular egg, you get the egg from the chicken or duck straight away and you take it and you package it and you eat it. Yeah. Whereas these have been held at 40 degrees C incubated for like a number of days before they realize that they're not fertilized. So unlike a regular egg uh, that would be kept at like room temperature or refrigerated. Yeah. So this has changed what's inside the egg. Like it changes the nature of the egg. It's different from a regular egg. Okay. It's closer to a regular egg, but it, it's different because yeah. it's been held at heat for such a long time. Yeah. These are called penoy and they, they obviously, they're much more similar to a regular hard-boiled egg than they are to a balut, but they are somewhere in between. Um, so what they do to figure out if this is going to be a balut egg or a penoy egg is they hold a light up to the egg, and you can actually just see that there's something developing inside. Oh. Because the skin of the egg is hollow enough. The cheapest enough. ultrasound in history. Yep. And this has been done for so long, they used to do it with candles. Uh, it was actually called candling. That was the, yeah. the name they used to, to check if it was a fertilized egg or not. And so, yeah, they can then see, well, th- there's no actual fetus in this. So that's Penoy. We'll get rid of that and sell it straight away. And otherwise, they put it back in the incubators and they leave it for a few more days. So, yeah, they do that check around about nine days in. That's at the point where you can actually tell if the fetus is developing or not. And then they leave it to con- continue developing if they've seen that it, it's actually going on. So after incubation as it gets towards that sort of 14 to 16 days, the yolk starts to soften and the egg white actually hardens. And after boiling that egg, so when you actually cook it in the end, the top part of the, the egg yolk actually becomes quite watery. It's got this liquidy bit. Yeah, and that's what people love that bit. I, well, apparently what it is is when you bite into your balut for the first time, you're supposed to sip the liquid straight out and that lets you know if it's a good one or not. Yeah. Uh... And if it's not tasting good, then you probably don't want to eat it. So, but the dude that we were having it with, he was just like whacking chili in there. So you're not going to be able to tell if you've just given it a hit of chili at the same time. I mean, a bit of chili, a bit of vinegar, and we'll talk about that later on as well. But yeah, I think if you're an expert at eating this stuff, you know what the flavor is supposed to be like. Yeah. We had no idea what we were doing. So we were just like, okay, I guess I'm eating it. And he told us it was fine. So we ate it. So yeah, at this point, the entire inside of the egg is changing. So yeah, then when it's cooked, it comes out differently as well. But the egg white is actually hardening before it's cooked. That's not because it's boiled. It's hardening anyway, apparently. Oh. So I, I don't know. That's Anyway, that's the information that I, I've got. I don't know if I'm 100% on, but that seems to be what happens. When it gets to 14 to 16 days, the embryo is sort of floating nearer to the top of the egg in the egg yolk stuff. At that point, it's called mamatong balut. And then when it gets to 17 to 18 days, it's the balut saputi. The popular one where the embryo has become wrapped in a sort of whitish membrane, which is what we had when we broke into the egg. There was like a little bit of membrane yeah. inside that we had to, yeah. to like pick yeah. off before you could actually yeah. get to eat everything. So, yeah, that's, you know, I told you this was going to be a delicious sounding episode. <laughs> I warned you in and advance. And you are still listening. This is all on you, people. It's not going to get particularly better. No. <laughs> so... Yeah, if you're a little squeamish, you, you've already, uh, you've dived too far in. <laughs> We've got episodes on lasagna and things. You should listen to those. Much tastier. 
<laughs> so that is that is just what is blue in general. That's the sort of the definition of what it is as a dish. Yep. In case people weren't aware, because I'm sure a lot of people haven't tried it, even if it's been on TV a lot, they still probably haven't tasted it. Now, I was is under the one? impression that it could also be steamed, or am I wrong with it that? It can be steamed. Sorry, I am going to talk a little bit about the actual cooking and eating later, because we did cooking and eating. But yes, it, it, when it's served as a dish, it's boiled or steamed. Okay, But cool. I'll, I'll go into that a little bit later on. And so... Let's talk about the history of Balut before we get into actually eating Yeah, and when did people it. start doing this? So, I mean, today it's sort of mostly seen as being a famous Filipino food. And although there are a few sources out there, maybe ones who haven't done any research that were just like, oh yeah, it's Filipino, that's it. Uh, most other sources that are actually a little bit more in depth, they all reckon it was first eaten in China. And then Chinese sailors brought it across to the I Philippines. I mean, they do like their weird eggs. I mean, pretty much, yeah. A, they like really weird eggs in general, century eggs and all that stuff. Uh, but, I mean, as far as the eat anything pyramid goes, they are right at the top of that pyramid. Very Literally much Literally so. will eat anything. So it's not surprising they came up with this. Yeah. In China, there's something very similar to balut, which is called maodan. And I'm sure my pronunciation is wrong because Chinese is impossible. Maodan. <laughs> yeah. It's just one tiny inflection different, and it basically means something else. Yeah, you, we just offended, like, a, you know, someone's mother. Yeah. <laughs> if pronounced right, Maldan means feathered egg or hairy egg. That's the literal translation. So yeah. I'm, it's basically, it's assuming that there is feathers inside the egg. I'm so lucky that I didn't end up with that. I don't know if I've told this this story on the podcast before, but we were traveling through China for a couple of months and you really, when you're ordering on the menus, you've got to learn what the, the these different symbols mean so that you can read the menu. Cause I mean, outside of Shanghai and Beijing, there's not a lot of English at all. We no. found not a lot. And so, we, we were in this town and I, I knew that I recognized a particular symbol because we'd learned the symbol for pork, the symbol for chicken, the symbol, you know, so I was like, ooh, I know that's noodle and I know that's chicken. And I was like, I know those two symbols, so this is going to be some chicken noodle thing. Great. I will have that. Sweet. Ordered it, came out. It was egg. Chicken egg. Chicken egg. Because I didn't pay attention to the symbol before chicken. So it obviously was like egg, egg of chicken. chicken. Yeah. And I was it like, and because I didn't pay attention to that first symbol, I was like, oh, it could have been anything. Could have been chicken said, feet noodles. Yeah. Like, the, as you said, the Chinese eat everything. So it could have been like heart of chicken, liver of chicken, head of chicken, anything like that. I was so thankful that it turned out that it was egg. <laughs> but <laughs> egg I, of chicken. Egg of chicken. But I tell you, from then on, I was very, very careful on making sure I paid attention to the symbols that were around when I was ordering. Yeah. That turned out okay, luckily. And, of course, there was quite a few dishes in China with chicken heads. Of and course. We, we had that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, feet. Yeah, all of it. Anything goes. Uh, so, yes, this uh, Maodan, uh, which is, could be the translation, because that could also mean 10 different other things. Because I looked up the individual words and Mao and Dan both mean like yeah. 20 different things, depending on how you inflect the word. So, uh, we're, we're on the rough track here, just about. So, Chinese traders and sailors came across trading stuff to the Philippines. And supposedly they would have been eating these fertilized duck eggs. And they got to this place in the Philippines, which was somewhere which was making duck, apparently. And they went, oh, you can, uh, you can do this with eggs. But that's the conjecture. But that, I mean, like, there's really no full consensus on it beyond that. That's about, like, that's how vague the story is. There's no 
how, why, when, who. It's just, it's a thing. But I got a few other references that might help us get a little bit closer to to the facts. So, some sources say that fertilized eggs are actually not so popular in China at all. And maybe that's why, well, you know, they're into tea eggs, they're into century eggs. So, they're like preserved eggs, but not necessarily fertilized eggs. But other people say, well, they were into them. They're just not as popular as century eggs. Like everybody disagrees on everything with this one. That's been really tough to find any consensus at all. Is there anything in the history that's saying, because of course, a lot of uh, there's certain Chinese dishes that, you know, it's a fertilized egg, which means there was fertility. So therefore eating this particular egg could, you know, make one more more. Oh, there's uh, fertile, more there's always sexy times. always those stories. Be so. either male or female. It was all the make men strong. Yeah, no, we'll go into that. I've I've got a long section on that later on. Oh, I keep jumping in. <laughs> <ahead. laughs> I'm just so eager to know. <laughs> you want to know how much of an aphrodisiac the balut is? Well, well yeah, I mean, we'll uh, we'll see about that. Yeah, so I can't find any really early records to this reference of this modern. In China, although some people are like, yes, they had this. This is what it's called. And I was like, but when was it written in a book? Where's the proof? And no one actually provided it. So I couldn't find actual proof, but people were saying that that's what happened. And once again, the, the Chinese were pretty good with actually keeping tabs. Like, they wrote down. Yeah, so. I mean, you'd think so. So maybe it's a little odd that they hadn't mentioned this. Mm. I mean, so this would be like, well, maybe the Filipino community did come up with it and it was just taken back to China straight away. I don't know. Well, anyway, I got a bit more information on this. This It's not completely conclusive, but still, because there's other eggs from China, like the century eggs I mentioned before, which are like a preserved egg that's sort of basically rotten on the inside, but edible. It's like green. It's weird. And like jelly. They actually found some of these, like archaeologists found some that had been preserved and stored in a pot that had been sealed so they hadn't gone any worse. They were like still... Did someone chuck it in their gob? Edible is the way. But I was going to say, did someone <laughs> chuck it in the gob and just yeah, give it a go? Yeah, I don't know if it's edible but they were still intact wow, rather than putrefied. And those dated back to 700 BC. That's insane! So those eggs had been around for a while. And of course, well, I mean, they keep better. You're not going to find a balut that's two and a half thousand years old because they would be very off. Yeah. That does not keep. It's not a preserved egg. So, yeah, some people say the Chinese brought this over to the Philippines before the Spanish arrived. So the Spanish arrived in the 16th century, sort of the early 16th century. Some people say the Chinese brought these eggs over before then. Others can claim that it's as late as 1885 when there's finally like some references to this happening. Well, you know, it's not like the Spanish picked it up and ran around the world with it. Well, this is actually one of the main reasons why it's probably more likely that it appeared after the Spanish got there. But yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Until really recently, this area, Pateros, which is the same name as the Mallard Duck, like the word for Mallard Duck is Pateros. It's actually just in the southeast part of Manila. So it's actually in the capital. Mm. Obviously, a few hundred years ago, the capital was not as big and crazy as it is now. So it's more like a village that was on the edge of the capital that got soaked up into the capital. Yeah, really small little municipality uh, right down in the south of Manila. And it was known for years as the capital of Balut. It's like where all the duck farmers hang out. They've got thousands and thousands of ducks and they're providing Balut for everybody around the region. Supposedly they were making the best and that's why they were doing so well. Or at yeah. least they were good at their marketing. I don't know. But yeah. 
because of them, there was lots. But there was a load of pollution that started once the city became more modernized and developed. Yeah. And basically in the 1970s and 80s, they got to this point where they actually couldn't do any duck farming there anymore because the rivers were too polluted for anyone to eat the ducks or the pollute. Aww. So all of the production moved out of the city, although Poor the area is still... Yeah, it's a very big city with a lot of people, so it's it's yeah. hard to prevent that pollution. But yeah, it's this area of Pateros, which actually used to be like a, an inland port. So ships would come in uh, from the ocean through the rivers, through Manila, and they port at this small town and, and do a bit of trading there. And it was specifically this place that was a, one of the inland ports. So there was people coming from Malaysia, China, Sweden, India, like people from all over the world were coming here to trade. And it's said that the name of the town, even Pateros, probably comes from the Spanish word pato, for duck. Duck! Yeah, it's pato, and duck is duck yeah. in Spanish. So, obviously, at this point, yeah, one other reason why maybe this wasn't a thing until the Spanish turned up, because, or they renamed the town afterwards, and they'd been doing ducks there forever, and then they renamed it with the Spanish name. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like the word pateros... In, it's a Tagalog word, but it is coming from Spanish. Ah. And it's been adopted into Tagalog. Yeah. Um, so, before 1770, a specific date, because um, Pateros used to just be a small barrio in a larger sort of area of the city called Pasige. Uh, but then the governor general at the time of the Philippines uh, turned Pateros into its own municipality. So very specifically, we have a record there that that was the name of it at that time in 1770. Yeah. So that's one of the differences. Half the other stuff is conjecture, and we don't know what it might have been called, but it was probably a thing before, and then officially in record at 1770, it is Pateros. And so you've got to assume at that point that probably ducks were pretty important if it had already been named, like the name of the duck. Uh, so something was going on. Uh, it's even said in the early 19th century, so only sort of 50 years later, uh, a U.S. diplomat, Edmund Roberts, who visited, uh, he used to call it Duck Town because there were so many ducks. He actually is quoted as saying, never before have I seen so many ducks together in one place. And if only he knew, he would have been walking around going, Duck Town, woo! <laughs> I wonder if Scrooge McDuck yeah, was, you know, inspired by, by there. Yes, exactly. And Disney visited and they're like, yep, they're like, this is the place. He definitely deserves to be a millionaire. He's going to dive off a diving board into a whole bunch of gold coins. <laughs> and Which sounds so now I'm old. I'm like, that's so painful. That would not work. He would be very injured in that situation. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's almost impossible to say how long duck production has been going on there, but at least since 1770, uh, it's got to have been. <laughs> So the other thing that you uh, suggested earlier that might be a reason to assume there wasn't any balut when the Spanish first turned up, yeah, it's because the Spanish did, like a lot of other people, and we've seen this in other episodes, they did make notes. They had chroniclers that went everywhere and wrote down exactly what they found, and they took the information back. And so there's actually information from as early as 1521 that talks about fermented shrimp paste and boiled turtle eggs, not fetus eggs, mm -hmm. but just having turtle eggs, which I'm sure was unusual for Spanish. They were like, oh, you eat turtle eggs? That's strange. So yeah, they mentioned these strange things, but they did not mention anything about uh, the locals eating uh, 
eating uh, any sort of balut or fetus egg. There was no mention of that at all, but other strange things they did. I think that would have definitely been written down because it's just, I mean, even today, it's weird. Yeah. And so you'd be like, oh, but they were eating this. It's crazy. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, as I said before, like in Filipino language, the word for duck in general is itik. And then pateros obviously derived from Spanish. So it feels like it happened afterwards. Yeah. But no exact records. So this is all just conjecture. Um, yeah, there was this early Spanish chronicler called Pigafetta. Weird name. Pigafetta. Yeah, strange. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't picked on by the other sailors at all. No. <laughs> Uh, he mentions a tribal chief enjoying boiled turtle eggs, and another chronicler, Antonio de Morga, mentions his disgust that they eat this rotting fermented shrimp paste, which actually, of course, is delicious. So this guy just hadn't had the right dish yet. Exactly. So, yeah, they were writing about it. So just based on the fact that they didn't talk about it, sort of suggests that maybe it wasn't happening in the 16th century and it turned up after the Spanish got there. That all of that sense. stuff sort of points to that. It does, yeah. yeah. Not conclusive, but definitely it all points to that, all of that evidence. So, yeah, I think probably sometime around the 1700s is probably, yeah. that's my estimate based on reading all of this stuff because Pateros was uh, a poor area at that point and it was growing into a more popular industry and obviously people were starting to talk about the ducks from there. That seems to be what's happened. Uh, but yeah, super sad that there's been so much pollution that they lost that entire industry. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a, like nearby regions are now doing all of the duck production, but they're sending the balut back to the area because it's still a like cultural heritage thing to have balut in that little town of Pateros. And the tourism department is trying to find ways to redevelop the industry by making it yeah more like a cultural center rather than actually the farming area. Nice. So... Since the late 80s, Pateros has actually been hosting the Balut Saputi Festival every spring. So if you want to go and eat lots of Balut, just turn up there in April and it's just Balut crazy. Wow. Eat it all till your heart's content. Exactly. All right. Speaking of eating, let's talk about cooking and eating this. And actually, I had an interesting question when I started researching this. Is it more nutritional than a regular egg? Because it seems like a lot of work to make an egg when you could just eat eggs. Yeah, just eat an egg. So why is this even happening? I'm sure you're going to tell us, Tom. I I don't know for sure, but I'm going to tell you some stuff about it. So, yes, balut should be boiled or steamed for 20 to 30 minutes. And then should always be... Well, that's a long time anyway. That's way longer than a regular egg. Way longer. You've got to obviously make sure that the little inside bits are fully cooked. Everything's well cooked. Egg white's gone a little hard already before it's even cooked. So I suppose you have to cook it longer for that to cook through or something. I don't know. There is no under easy going on there. No, you are fully cooking the hell out of this stuff. So, uh, yeah, vendors sell cooked balut out to buckets of sand because everyone wants it warm and they're not necessarily just cooking it on the street to order because that would take 30 minutes. So they keep it in a bucket of sand and they cook them up in batches or whatever. And then, yeah, it stays nice and warm in the sand and they can serve it for quite a few hours. And they serve it with little packets of salt, but also they have little vinegar on the side if you want it. Or, yeah, you get a squirt of vinegar, maybe you can get a little bit of chili. Lots of different condiments you might want to put on. Um, The actual finished cooked balut egg has four parts. Uh, The yolk part, the bato, which is the albumen. Now, in in the couscous episode, the strange words for things inside of eggs that are just so gross. (laughs) So the egg white, once it's gone hard, is technically called the albumen, which is so gross a word. That's one of the grossest words. 
We had endosperm in the. I think Cus-Cus endosperm episode. was way worse. But I think albumen still sounds disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to eat that. And uh, you don't eat it. So, I mean, that's the egg white that's gone hard at the bottom. Uh, so, yeah, you don't eat that at all. And then obviously you've got the, the fetus parts, uh, where the little bird bit, and then you've got the liquidy part as yep. well that's on top of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to call it egg white if we mention it again. I'm not calling yeah. it albumen. Yep. It, yeah, it's egg white is sufficient. Totally gross. So, yeah, yeah. Yep, you've got the embryo and the liquid part. So, the liquid, though, is something that's unique to duck eggs, chicken eggs. They don't actually have that liquid form. No. So it's, a, it's a duck egg thing ah. for some reason. So, that's, well, apparently, I've never had a balut chicken egg. So no, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't know the difference. But, yes, so as we said right at the start, it's considered to be a street food. And as with many street foods, it should be eaten pretty soon after cooking because you don't know how long it's been out and it's going to give you food poisoning or whatever. Otherwise, uh, at most, the shelf life of a cooked balut out in the open is one day, which is still a really long time. It's a long time. But that, I mean, that's another reason why it's such a popular street food is probably because the vendors aren't losing any money because they have, they've got no waste. Yeah. But also like, like with regular waste. eggs, you can just keep regular eggs out on the, like once if they're boiled, you can just keep them out for ages and they're still good for like a week. Yeah. Well, apparently with balut, one day if kept in the open, but if refrigerated up to one week can be popular so yeah why is this one of the most popular street foods in the philippines or at least historically uh, one of the most popular well obviously it's really cheap someone famous said that it was awesome and they're <laughs> like course. yeah that's not one of the answers i've got on the card betty but um sure <laughs> <laughs> sure why not um maybe i'm sure there's some famous filipinos who've uh, enjoyed balut very much but yeah it's cheap obviously that's yeah. always a major component of any street food uh, it's considered to be a superfood. So even before any sort of experiments had been done to see if it is more nutritious than a regular boiled egg, everyone thinks it is. Take that, Kale. Yeah. It's super high in vitamins and minerals and amino acids and things like that. Apparently, there's six times as much vitamin D and twice as much vitamin A than there is in a chicken egg. Wow. So duck eggs, way more. But there's also double the cholesterol. So one, one duck egg, balut duck egg, is like more cholesterol than one person should eat per day. So one of those per day is already quite crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, So just to uh, double check that this information was correct, that the folklore was correct, a uh, Japanese group did a study on Balut. And this study was done by scientist Nolita Sansida and a whole bunch of other people, like a massive group of people did the study. And they looked at how the components within the egg changed during the time it was developing. So like what it was like as just an unfertilized egg, what it was like at 10 days, what it was like at 14 days, 16 days, 18 days, etc. So they did like a full breakdown of every constituent vitamin Uh and amino acid and that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, they found that there were some essential amino acids like taurine that were way, way, way higher, like 20 times more taurine. What's taurine? Oh, it's an amino acid. Oh, okay. There's loads of them. I don't know what they all do. This isn't a science podcast. No. <laughs> you want to know? Go find a dictionary. We need them. We need all of them. Yeah. So that's, it's important for diet or something. Uh, but yes, compared to an unfertilized egg, like loads more of that and a bunch of other things as well now the thing that you guessed earlier because it's the classic guess for all gross foods is that it's an aphrodisiac or regarded yes. as such so that's another reason why it's very popular it is considered to give men invigorative power oh so it invigorates their um downstairs they're downstairs bits well 
so not only is it believed sort of like if you have a balut and a beer, that's going to get you revving up and get you going, but also it invigorates you in general. So apparently it's like a late night student food because if students need to keep studying late into the night, they'll go and get a balut to sort of like pep them up a bit and keep studying. Interesting. So, so it's not just the aphrodisiac element, but yeah, that's sort of weird. It's like having a Barocca. Yeah. He's giving you a BB bounce, but mm-hmm. it's like... Have a margarita. Yeah, it's like, there's so many other ways to get going. <laughs> but apparently, uh, fetus egg is uh, is a preference. I, so there you go. I am quite pleased. I did not know that when I was in university. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So of course, as always, there's no scientific evidence to suggest that balut gives you any sort of invigorating. No, is there anything powers? in the world that actually legit invigorates, or is it all just placebo effect? And I you're like, I paid a fortune for, well, not for balut, but like, when it comes to oysters and stuff, you're like, I paid a fortune for this, it better make me randy. <laughs> I've got no idea. In fact, this would be an interesting podcast, like, actual aphrodisiac foods, Ooh. yay or nay. We just go through them all and be like, which ones are actually aphrodisiacs and which ones not, because that it would totally be interesting. The aphrodisiac dish. Alright, so, uh, the belief, though, that it is an aphrodisiac is so strong that it's estimated that uh, the ratio of male to female consumers of balut is 75% male and only 25% female. I mean, it could also be just because women don't really like it so much. Yeah. Or they find it a bit weird. Uh, so, I don't know, but apparently that's supposed to be evidence that it must have real aphrodisiac powers that men are addicted to it, but uh, it doesn't really mean no, anything, does it? No, I just think more women just find it icky. Quite possibly. Now... Just for fun, speaking of the less desirable uh, things that you find in street food in the Philippines, I mean, we had some organ stew type stuff, which was actually quite tasty, but sort of weird. We also had some really weird street food that I didn't enjoy at all. But uh, to soften the blow a little bit for some odd looking street food, just for fun, Filipinos have come up with some fun nicknames for some dishes. Oh, good. So I'm going to give you the nickname. And uh, you see if you can guess what this food might be. Oh, all right. So here's the nickname uh, Adidas or Adidas after the shoes. Uh, something that like runs fast? Like, is it like. Uh, Think more literal. Uh, it actually is shoes? No, but you, <laughs> would wear shoes, you would wear shoes on these things. What? Feet. It's chicken feet. Oh, of course. Adidas chicken feet. Okay, this other one is called Walkman's, as in like Like the- Like Sony. As in like the 1989 prehistory music playing iPod. Uh, These are weird. What would be the literal- What what do you do with a Walkman? Think literal again. You music, you listen to it. And where do the headphones go? Ear. Yeah. Ears. Pig's ears. I don't, I don't think they're very good at these. Pig's ears. <laughs> I think it's like really random. <laughs> it's like strangely funny. It's very odd. Okay, here's another one. This one makes no sense. I don't know if you'll get this one. And, I didn't right, get so, the other two. <laughs> well, you sort of got pig's ears. You're, you're on the right track to that. They actually have one of the nicknames is IUD. As in the female uh, device that stops pregnancy. So that's just what... Eating labia. <laughs> so IUD, this is a nickname apparently for chicken intestines. It doesn't go up that high. I don't, th- I don't think it's meant to go that far. <laughs> I'm guessing something to do with the shape. But I also don't see how IUD is any more appetizing than chicken no, intestines. I, no. 
And the last one, this one is a much more palatable food, so I don't know why I needed a nickname, but I really like the nickname for this one, so I, I put it in. Um, this one's called PAL, P-A-L, which is uh, Philippine Airlines. It's the uh, abbreviation of Philippines Airline, yeah. Airlines. So, um, the National Airline of the Philippines, P-A-L, what would that be? What food would that be? Chicken or beef? Uh, it's chicken. Um, it's a plane. What does it do? Fly. fly. What does it have? Wings. So, chicken wings. Chicken wings. <laughs> so <What? laughs> it's like the most random <laughs> stuff ever. All right. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about actually eating this stuff. I mean, I think we sort of talked about it a little bit as we went along. But yeah, we talked about the condiments. You can put some salt and some garlic. or Some people put garlic on it as well. You can put vinegar on it. Some of the vinegar is made with coconut sap. So you it's know, like coconut whatever vinegar. makes it more palatable. I mean, I, I don't know. You put a squirt of vinegar on it and then you just taste a little bit of sourness, but... It still sort of tastes a bit... Funky. Just like a funky egg. That's all it tastes like to me is a bit of a gross funky egg, which has got bird bits in it. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. So, for me, trying Baloo, because we were staying with someone um, and it was sort of like just inappropriate to say no, because he was so excited for us to try it for the first time. And... Yeah, it, it's definitely not as bad as you actually envision it to be. It's all a mind game and you yeah. have it all in your head and it, and you really work yourself up into a frenzy and it's actually not that bad. But it is like weird, funky boiled egg. Yeah, it's just and a And I wouldn't even say it was that crunchy at 18 days. No, no. It wasn't crazy crunchy. It I think crunchy, when you think about it, like you'd be talking about chips, uh, crunchy, like, no, it's not even slightly like that crunchy. No. It's just, it's noticeable that there is something in it that has crunch that's to it. That's not egg. Yeah, there's not egg. Yeah. yeah. And that's because there is something in exactly. it that's not egg. You are exactly right. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's not as completely horrible as you think it would be, but it also is not all round pleasant eating either. No. In my opinion. So, if you do want to eat some balut and you don't have a local there with you like we did to explain how to do it, the plan is you take it with the uh, the wide end up and you break the shell there at the wide end. And then there should be, if it's the 18 day at least, you should have definitely a little bit of membrane you can pull off or you can eat and you can slurp the, uh, the liquid straight away. And it should have a slight sweetness and cleanness to it, apparently. I don't feel like it had any cleanness, so I don't know if we had a weird one. <laughs> I don't know. He seemed to think they tasted normal when he had one. I don't know. What was going on? I was on? just terrified about the upcoming act, so <laughs> I don't know if I was paying too much attention. Yeah, and you should savour the wonderful balance and flavours, apparently. That's they the professional it. way. They love it. They love that the first slurp is like what everybody looks forward to mostly. They like yeah. Filipinos talk about how much they love it. Yeah, that first slurp is apparently supposed to have some sweetness, which is why they put a little bit of vinegar in to sometimes balance it out. Yeah. I think maybe I put too much vinegar on. I didn't find it to be sweet at all, but um, who knows? Uh, once you've slurped that little bit of liquid, then you can also sip out the embryo and the egg yolk bits and you can peel around the eggshell so it gets to that a little bit easier. And then, yes, the uh, albumen. You said you wouldn't say that word. The egg whites. Is is at the bottom and it's really really hard and you don't yeah, eat it. You don't it's like eat a little that stone bit. in the bottom of the egg. Exactly, that's a good way to explain it. Yeah, I mean, you can chew into it, but it's not good. No, it's hard and it's, it's like it's, it's almost like a shell at the end. Not, but not like eggshell, but like a seashell at the end of the egg. It's weird. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It's sort of strange, but an important cultural food. So if you go to the Philippines, I feel like you should. You sort of have a duty to try these things because it's really important. You know, if you're someone that's like, I'll give everything a try once, totally do yeah. it. 
give it a go. Don't let your mind come too much into it or, you know, freak you out about it because it, it honestly isn't that bad. But yeah. yeah I mean, unless you're a vegetarian or vegan, I don't really see how you can have a moral argument about this because I guess some people are like, oh, but it's a little baby duck and you killed it. And it's like, yeah, but, but veal's great. It, yeah, veal's. Well, some people won't eat veal, so I know. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone's got their own thing. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know. I know. I it's a difficult world, I but I think I do think if you are a meat eater, you are a meat eater, you know, so you can't really judge anyone. But what else did they choose to eat? Especially when it's a cultural thing. You just were brought up in a different culture. Yeah, exactly. Philippines, Filipinos love it. So, you know. So, if you want to see the video of us eating this, because we did film it with our friend Michael, <laughs> who was there hosting us in Dumaguete, which is one of the, the smaller cities on the island of, uh, was it Negros? Oh, I can't remember. It's so long ago ah, now. It was a I long think, time ago. I think it was Negros. We were learning to scuba dive there. Yes. So we went to learn to scuba dive, and as an aside, we ate balut. Yes. Because why not? Why Perfect not? scuba diving food. Because <laughs> <laughs> it invigorates you, ready for a long <laughs> scuba dive. But yeah, you can head to foodfuntravel.com slash balut podcast to see the video of us eating it. But yes, once again, it's a little gross. So if you thought listening to this was giving you a little bit of the X, actually don't watch it, the video. Probably not for you. But if you want to see us doing that, it's sort pretty of fun. funny. Yeah, it was. Uh, random weird. And you can see gross. Meg and Tom 2013 quite a little bit skinnier than what they are in 2019. Okay. Oh, we've eaten too much food, but it's been fun. <laughs> so let's finish up with some strange facts. So as if this episode wasn't strange enough already. Oh, there's more strangeness. Uh, just to be a few had. quick ones. Just some fun random things that I found out when I was doing the research for this. So on April the 10th, 2015, uh, former mayor of Pateros, which is the little the duck village that we were talking about, Ducktown. Ducktown. Uh, he partnered up with the. Centre for Culinary Arts in Manila and the History Channel, uh, or some it's a, the U, the US History TV show channel. I don't know, whatever it's called. I think it's called the History, History channel. channel. It's called the History Channel, isn't yeah. it? Apparently, uh, those guys, they teamed up to serve the world's largest ever serving of balut all in one place. And I don't mean one giant egg. No, like I mean a lot of balut cooked into one dish. Uh, they actually put a thousand pieces of balut in adobo, which is like a, a sauce, for, famous sauce from the it's Philippines. Sauce. It's good. And do you like adobo? Uh, it, the total weight of the dish was 117.5 kilos. Well, so. that's a big load of balut right there. And uh, everyone in the town ate the dish and the record was awarded to them. So that's it. That's uh, apparently 2015. 117.5 kilos of balut in one dish. Crazy stuff. So, number two, fact number two, Filipino-inspired restaurants. Uh, one is called Maharlika and Jeepney. Jeepney, which is uh, like the little transports. Jeepneys, they were cool. The little minibuses they have in the Philippines. These two restaurants are in Brooklyn, in New York City, and they started a balut eating contest. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, since this annual contest began, it has seen an impressive amount of 40 Balut eaten in five minutes by one person. Oh, that's a lot. So that isn't because you know the cholesterol per yeah. balut is so that's forty times the amount aye, of cholesterol aye, you should aye. eat per day. You got a t-shirt, his photo on the wall, and a doctor's checkup. Yeah, heart attack. <laughs> that's his heart attack as a prize. <laughs> um, another competition uh, that was at the Filipino American Festival in New Jersey had the. One contestant, the winner, consumed 20 balut in 2 minutes and 22 seconds. What? So that's also insane. And, you know, if you want to be the next I'm balut champion... I'm guessing he didn't have to peel them for that. Like, it's, it must have been pre-peeled, yeah. Yeah, to get that, for sure. 
uh, yeah, if you want to be the next balut eating champion, just head to one of those uh, competitions. Just look them up online, the New York City and the New Jersey uh, Filipino festivals and restaurants, and they're doing some eating. Quite Off easy you to go. find. Have fun. And final crazy fact for this episode, because, you know, uh, as if all that other stuff wasn't crazy enough, the most bizarre belief is that if you eat too many balut, you will turn into an aswang, which is a supernatural creature that carves through human flesh. Oh. But... The only way to avoid becoming an aswang by eating, obviously, it, 40 balut in five aswang? minutes. Aswang? Aswang? <laughs> it might be aswang. It sounds like aswang. It's aswang. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, whether it's a supernatural creature or just someone you don't like very much, <laughs> you aswang. Aswang. <laughs> uh, the way to get rid of an aswang is with salt, apparently. So, mm. one of those classic things. Why do people think that salt stops supernatural beings? Why has that become a know, myth? I don't know, because I, as far as I know, salt on things makes things better. So, I don't know why it- Well, unless you're like a leech. It's not something. good for leeches. Leeches don't enjoy salt at all. They don't. But I love salt on things, so. I don't know. So, yeah, obviously put salt on your uh, balut. Don't have it unsalted. Otherwise, you're going to turn into an asswang. And no one likes an asswang. <laughs> All right. That's it for this episode. The wonderful world of balut. If you head to the Philippines, please do try it. It's yeah, important. Give it a go. It's on a lot of street corners. Not so many now, as you said. Like It's becoming less popular as other foods become more popular. But it's still there. So, if you see someone with eggs... In sand or in a tray or steaming like, them. It'd it's, be like a little basket looking thing. Yeah, or, it could have a yeah. basket. I mean, it, they might shout out that they've got Baloo. It, it's sort of obvious once you recognize the first one, then you're like, oh yeah, they, they're all selling Baloo. Yeah. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. So yeah, if they've got eggs, it's Baloo, not boiled eggs. So if you're going there expecting to get a boiled egg, you won't get one. You will be horribly disappointed. You will be having a very different eating experience from that. So, also, if you enjoyed this episode, which you probably didn't because it's really gross. Uh, <laughs> so, actually, you yeah, know, don't leave us a review right now unless it's five stars. Just give listen us, to a different give episode. Us five stars for actually eating balut and surviving it. You know, yeah. we, we suffer for our craft. Well, many people have eaten it. I, yeah, but I want five stars for it. Yeah, I, I would like five stars for it, please. Yeah. So, yeah, rate, review, subscribe, of course. And we'll be back next, uh, well, in two weeks. Yeah, next fortnight. Or maybe it's already out, of course, because that's how podcasts work. You know, that's how podcasts work, right? Or just binge all yeah. the episodes. If you're listening to this three years down the track, then you've got loads of episodes to listen to. Aren't you in luck? You really are. Took us years to make all of these, and you could just listen to them all in <laughs> hours. Just done. So, yeah, that's it. We'll catch you in the next episode, which I think is going to be Goan food, food from the state of Goa in India. Oh, I think a lot of people don't know about Goan food. Yeah. This is going to be really good because it's freaking yum. Yeah, I love Goan food. It's tasty, tasty. All right, guys. See you next time. Well, we won't see you. Well, you'll hear us. That'll be it. We won't even hear you. We won't see you. We won't hear you. You'll hear us. That's it. Thank you for being there. Yes. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app or channel. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time. <laughs>